So I wasn't here last week, but Paul was preaching, I think, on Romans 7. And uh, uh, this week we're in Romans 8. So maybe you just want to turn to Romans 8. It's quite a long uh, chapter. We're not, not going to read it all this morning. Uh, but it, it's a chapter which is studded with gems. And uh, uh, lots of people have got a favorite verse or several favorite verses in this chapter. Anybody got a favorite verse from Romans 8? They just want to... There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We've been singing that this morning, haven't we? And we'll, we'll touch on that uh, in a moment. Anybody else got a favorite verse there? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Isn't that, isn't that a precious truth? Any others? The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Beautiful. Thank you, Jamie. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. My own, my, one of my own favorites is, uh, is the bit that says, uh, we know that in all things, verse 28, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Everything that happens, God's causing to work for our good. There, this, is, this is a chapter which, if, if, you don't, if you don't get into the Bible very much, this is a chapter that's worth reading. You may think, some of it's a bit dull, the Bible, you know, it's hard work. But this is a chapter full of beautiful truth. So if you, have, if you have a moment, I would encourage you to spend a little time reading this chapter, maybe after, after today. Now, last week, Paul spoke about Romans chapter 7. And because I wasn't here, he, he sent me a little note saying what he'd said and telling me what I had to preach about this morning, which is very helpful. But I'm a lawyer, and I was aghast because he told me that the law was helpless. It wasn't any use to us uh, in... in <laughs> something I've wasted my life as a lawyer. I've been, I've, I've been qualified for 40 years nearly as a lawyer. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Uh, thanks, Jamie. Thank you. <laughs> Just fishing for that there. But, but I, I, you know, the law doesn't help us. I, I, was, I was shattered when I heard this news, so I, I had to go and have a lie down. And then... I went to our bedroom. Fortunately, we've got a nice bed. And uh, can I just encourage you? You're going to spend a quarter to a third of your life in your bed. So get a decent bed, okay? <laughs> this, is, this is one of the best investments you'll ever make. And <laughs> Maybe we should spend less time in bed. I don't know, but anyway. So, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about our bed and uh, how it relates to this chapter. So just, just three points. There are always only ever three points, aren't there? So the, the first point uh, is that Paul, the Apostle Paul here now, after chapter 7, starts with a whole new frame. He's been talking about life in the flesh and how hard it is and trying to keep the law and it's impossible. And he writes, uh, we think about himself, I find this really difficult, you know, I'm trying to do what is right, but I, it's just impossible. Now, he's, he's starting in a, in a completely different place. There's a different frame. And our bed is, is, is a great bed because uh, it, it's a solid bed. You, you get on it, and even when I sit down on the bed, it doesn't creak and it doesn't, it doesn't sort of wobble around. The frame is, is reliable. And here, Paul is setting out a new frame, if you like, for our lives, a new framework for our lives. And... You don't want to be trusting in a frame that's all wobbly and creaky and liable to collapse if you sit on it or lie down. You want something that's reliable. And this, this, folks, 
is a reliable frame for your lives. And in a sense, uh, it's a new story. We were praying at the start, and uh, Johnny just said, God, God's given us a new story. Yes, he has. He's given us this wonderful new story. He's reframed our lives in this beautiful way. And uh, instead of having to rely on the law, we have the grace of God and we have the Holy Spirit to help us. We've been set free from uh, the law of sin and death, it says in verse 2. We're not any longer in the realm of the flesh. Well, of course we are. We're here, you know, living, breathing. Uh, but but we're somehow we're in the realm of the spirits as well, it says in verse 9. This, this is an amazing truth. We're, we're in a different place somehow. We're not in the same place that we were. Even last week as we were looking at Romans 7, Romans 8 is different. We're in, we're in the Holy Spirit here. And Paul expresses in different ways. He says we've died to sin and we live according to the Spirit. Uh, he, he says the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. If you're prone to anxiety, this is a great verse, isn't it? If we've got the Holy Spirit within us, we've got life and we've got peace. We don't need to be anxious. We have this, this wonderful, wonderful uh, means to enjoy peace and life. Later on it says we've been adopted into God's family. Somehow something's changed if we've put our trust in Jesus. And this change is, is fundamental to our lives. It, it's, not just a, it's not like just putting on uh, a pair of uh, shorts instead of trousers, which I see many of you have done. I mean, you know, I'll tell you when it's really hot. I've rolled up my sleeves, it's quite warm, but <laughs> it's not that hot yet. So it, it's not about just dressing differently or, or even behaving differently. This is something that's changed right at the heart and root of our lives. And our whole lives are, are framed differently now because of what Jesus has done for us. It's fundamental. It's what helps us order the way in which we think about ourselves and determine our priorities. It's this helpful little book which Terry Virgo recommended a couple of weeks ago called Finding Your Best Identity. And it's about how if you're... Uh, it's written by a guy who's same-sex attracted. He's, sort of, uh, he's, he's, he's attracted to men. But he's come to a place of peace about living a celibate life and just knowing that what God has said about him is more important than what he thinks about himself or what others think about him. And uh, he, he, he describes this... Uh, this sense of our, our controlling self-understanding, what, what it is that controls the way we understand ourselves. And uh, it can be, for many people, what we think about ourselves, what we say about ourselves. For many others, it's what other people have said about us. And sometimes they're not kind, are they? You know, people say, I'm not very good. You know, it starts at, starts at school or even before, you know, get a report at the end of term, not very good, could try harder, you know. And, and if we're not careful, that, that kind of message can begin to define our lives. And uh, it can, it, it, it can uh, shape the, who we are. But God has reframed our lives. He's moved us from this place of death, where we're subject to the law, to a place of life and peace, where we're guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, I might think of myself in all sorts of different ways. You know, I, I'm a, a father, a husband, a, I'm a lawyer. Uh, uh, you know, all sorts of different ways I might describe myself. To some people, I'm short. To other people, I'm tall. Uh, uh, you know, we, we can, you know, some people think I'm, I'm 
very cool, hard to believe. Others think, <laughs> no, <laughs> it just hasn't got it. So, so people define us in all sorts of different ways. But, but we are not defined by, by these things, by what other people think about us or what they say about us. We are defined, folks, by what God says about us. Amen. And he says we're forgiven. And Savannah came up and, and just so helpfully shared uh, that passage of scripture. Is it from Isaiah, uh, Savannah? From Isaiah somewhere? Thank you, Isaiah 54. And she said, shame is gone. Shame is gone, folks, from our lives. This goes right to the heart, isn't it, of, of the unkind things people have said about us. We feel a shame about them. We feel uh, it, there's nothing we can do about it. It's history. We've done that. We've, this, these things we've done or said, or there's, we feel shame about them. But God says, no, you're forgiven. There's no condemnation. Beautifully. Thank you, Johnny, for that song earlier. There's no condemnation. Shame is gone because of what God says about us is true. We're not defined any longer by our own history, by what we've said about ourselves, by what others have said. The only thing which matters, the only thing which drives our identity is whether my life is framed by Christ or not. And Paul is saying in Romans 8, our lives are framed by Christ. We're in Christ. If I'm in Christ, I can say, yes, thank God, thank God. If I'm not in Christ, I've got to say, God, help me, help me. So our bed's got a great frame, but God has given our lives a frame that is so much better. We're framed in Christ. He says we're, we're, our lives are hidden in Christ. Somehow we're framed in Christ now. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see uh, our past, our history, our sin. He sees uh, he sees Christ. He sees the righteousness of Christ, that perfect life that Jesus lived, because we're hidden in Christ. And the baptism that many of us have undergone is a kind of public demonstration of that. It's a declaration. Yeah, I want my life to be hidden in Christ. I'm sharing in his death as I go down into the water, and I'm sharing too in his resurrection as I come up again out of it. And we'll see that in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, we've got a baptism here. Maybe more than one if, if others of you want to be baptized and have not been. We'll, we'll see this public declaration that uh, the person being baptized is in Christ. Their lives are hidden in Christ. They're framed by Jesus Christ as ours are. What else do I like about my bed? <laughs> it's great. <laughs> the mattress. The frame is, the frame is great, but... You know, if you just had a thin camping mattress on the bed, you think, oh, okay, <laughs> here I am again. It's a bit hard. But, folks, we've got a great mattress. We bought it from a company in Plymouth where we grew up, and uh, <laughs> I, can supply, I can supply details. But, you know, you lie down on your mattress at home, and you think, oh, I'm at home. I'm not in a hotel bed somewhere. I'm not in a tent. You know, some of us will be camping for the, for the big weekend. It's great. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful opportunity to do life together, just have some unhurried time together. Let me commend it to you on the, the 14th to the 16th of July. I'll bring some whiskey, Jamie, so if you're there, you know, we'll have a glass of whiskey. But uh, we'll just have a time of fellowship together, spend some, some unhurried time together, catch up. 
But the downside is <laughs> you're camping. You're not at home on your, on your own comfortable mattress. And the mattress on our bed, every, every time I get into it, I think, oh, this is great. And the place where we are is a bit like that mattress. It's a place of rest. It's a place of peace. It's a place of repose and a place of refreshing. And that is what Romans chapter 8 is all about. It's a, it's a place where we are strengthened by God as we rest in the truths that he has given to us. We can rest in what Jesus has accomplished for us. We don't need to strive after all those requirements of the law that Paul was talking about last week. We don't have to run after all that stuff because Jesus has satisfied all that for us and he's, he's paid the price for our sin on the cross. J just this morning I was, I was reading, uh, I, I go through the Bible each year and uh, I, I follow a, uh, a little reading uh, guide called More Precious Than Gold. It's just a list of scriptures to reach each day. Uh, and uh, this morning there was Psalm 103 and there was Isaiah 43. And Psalm 103, God's saying, I've removed your transgressions as far from you as the east is from the west. You know, he's taken away our sin. And then again, as though to underline it this morning, it's in Psalm 43, uh, where, where he says, um, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. That's who God is. That's his heart towards us, that... Uh, he, he's not looking at the account book thinking, oh, well, he's still got to pay this off and that off. No, Jesus has done all that for us. And we're in this wonderful place of rest. It's a place of rest and repose and refreshment. And we, we find that we've been adopted as the, the sons of God. We can cry, Abba, Father. This kind of like Daddy in the Aramaic. And the Spirit testifies with us that we're God's children, verse 16. And if we're children, then we're also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. It says, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. It's not necessarily uh, a bed of roses. There, there will be some bumps on the road on the way. But fundamentally, we can trust in Jesus that uh, we, we share in the inheritance that he has purchased for us. Now, children, we've seen them running around this morning, haven't we? They don't need to do anything. Uh, to be children, they just are our children, and yeah, that's precious. And they know that uh, it, they they yeah, they know it deep down. If they're cherished, they're cared for. They'll know uh, the free and unearned, and sometimes undeserved blessings that go with being our kids: food, clothing, a roof over their heads, a place to sleep. You know all those blessings that we kind of take for granted. But God provides for us early on in the Scripture. He re reveals Himself to to Abraham as the Lord who provides. You know when that ram is caught in the thicket and Abraham doesn't have to sacrifice his own son Isaac because God's provided the sacrifice, kind of looking forward to Jesus being the sacrifice provided for us. God's done that for us. And so in, in many senses we have all the blessings of being the children of God right now. They're, they're, they're ours in our hands. Uh, it, it, we have to put our trust in him. So there's, as well as resting in those blessings, there's a sense of active trust as well. Uh, we have to remind ourselves about these things from time to time. But there's, there's a sense of waiting as well for what we don't have yet. It says uh, we eagerly uh, await our adoption to sonship. We have it already in one sense, but we await it as well. And we are, what we're waiting for is the redemption of our bodies. In this hope we were saved. 
If we had it all now, there'd be nothing left to hope for. Hope that is seen is no hope at all, Paul says. So there's a sense in which we're still waiting for something. We're in faith for something more. Who hopes, he says, for what they already have, verses 23 and 24. So we're resting in these glorious truths, like on the mattress. We're resting in in these wonderful truths that that God has uh, made true for us because Jesus has died on the cross. And he's quickened faith in our hearts by his Holy Spirit. He's, He's made these truths come alive for us. And yet we're also aware there's more yet to come. And so we're living in the expectation of that. But at the moment we can live with life and peace because the Holy Spirit gives this wonderful blessing to us. We don't have to live in anxiety and that place of death and no hope any longer. We're living in a place of life and peace, Paul says. We've got much already, but uh, we've we've got to hold on, folks, for the more that is to come, the best that is yet to come. And the writer of the Hebrews puts it like this in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 4. he says we need to press into uh, the, the blessings that God has for us. We're trusting in those things. We'll come back to that in a second. We know that God's working, says, uh, I'll come back to my favorite verse now. That's the preacher's privilege, isn't it? You, know, you can spend a little time on some other favorites, but God's working. We're resting in these wonderful truths. But it says God's working, verse 28. God works for the good of those who love him. So he's not idle. He's not thinking, oh great, Jesus has done everything he needed to do. I've, need, I've done everything I needed to do. They put their trust in me. Job, jobs are good. And, no, he's still working for us. He's sustaining all things by his powerful word, it says in Hebrews. Wonderfully, uh, we, God, God is sustaining us, giving us the breath of life day by day, sustaining hope and faith in us. And he's working for us. It says, for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So we just trust. We rest and trust. But he works, and our trust grows. I was a uh, little, little name dropping now. I was uh, in London on uh, Friday evening. I went to dinner at the Bishop of London's house. And um, <laughs> it's the name dropping, yeah, thank you. And I was chatting to the Bishop, another Bishop there, Bishop of Islington. Uh, he's a guy called Rick Thorpe. And he knows lots of folks from New Frontiers. He knows David and Philippa Stroud. I think, uh, uh, I think he got saved through Philippa Stroud. And uh, he was telling me a story. He, he runs a a church planting uh, kind of project within the Church of England. This guy's called Rick Thorpe. And he was saying that they'd, they got to the point where they'd really kind of run out of money with this project. And they, they felt it was right to continue, to keep on with it. Uh, and, uh, but they, 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 were, they really got to the point where they had to give redundancy notices to about 15 people. But they said, we're giving you these notices, but because uh, we're legally obliged to do that, we may run out of money. But we're believing, we're in faith for this project to continue. And the money has come in, and not only enough to uh, continue employing the 15, but to double the number of people who are employed in this project. So it was a little testimony of God's faithfulness that he comes across, he comes through for us. And uh, you know, maybe it's not the sort of 
uh, story you expect to hear from a bishop, but he was full of faith, and uh, he, he was encouraged by God's faithful provision. And as we, uh, as we trust God's working, that's the whole point of this little passage, uh, starting in verse 28, and we can trust him to fulfill the sequence that is described here. God's predestined us to be those who uh, will later be called. We've been called now. We know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We've been justified. Our sin is forgiven. It's been removed from us. We saw it earlier in those scriptures from Psalm 103 and Isaiah 43. And we'll be glorified with him. So uh, we've seen three quarters of this already in our lives. We've been uh, predestined for glory we've, we've been called we've been justified uh, the, the, uh, the, the weight of sin is lifted off us it's gone and there's uh, a being in glory with Jesus yet to come and we can trust God for these things because we've seen that he's a faithful God from the moment when we place our trust in him he promises that he'll present us blameless on that day when Jesus returns, says 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8. It says in Philippians 2, it says, uh, he'll, he'll complete the good work that has begun in us. These, these are promises from a faithful God, one upon whom we can rely. So we can kind of rest on this mattress of, of beautiful promises. And of course, we just could just go, <laughs> go to sleep. That's what happens when I, when I hit the mattress. But we could also spend a moment just thanking God and renewing our, uh, our awareness, our acquaintance with those beautiful promises and with the one who makes them. We should make every effort to enter into that rest. So it's an active faith and rest. What's the third thing I like about my bed? Well, I'm not alone there. Usually, Lynn's got in before I have. And folks, she usually gets up after me, you know. So, <laughs> shocking, isn't it? <laughs> but we're in this together. We're, we're not all on our own. And this is, this is such a precious thing. In Romans chapter 7, it's all about a personal struggle. Paul, Paul is speaking, I've got this got this, <laughs> this problem, I can't keep the law, I try so hard and it just doesn't work Romans chapter 8, it's about us it's about when he's speaking to us, it's in the plural together, we are, we're somehow uh, included together in this it's we and us, not I and me in Romans 7 uh, I strive I fail, uh, I'm a slave to sin, I'm in trouble in Romans 8, it's talking about shared blessing. It's talking about a, a, a blessing made more substantial as we share it. It's, it's, there's something about sharing a pleasure that, that increases it. If I, if I come back from my holidays and say, Do you know, we had a really great time. Uh, it, it, and somebody says, oh, I'm really glad you had a lovely time. That's really nice. There's a, there's a joy which is shared and, and sort of multiplied. That, that's shared as we... Uh, as we share testimonies of what God's done for us and his faithfulness. Uh, just just a, um, a little example uh, from Kings. I told you about the bishop and his waiting for some money to come, waiting in faith. 
we've had in, uh, in mind for some time uh, uh, the need to do some works to the King's Centre, the building in, uh, in the centre of Norwich, uh, where, where uh, we meet on a Sunday. And, but money's been tight. And a few weeks ago, well, at the start of the year, I happened to be there one day at lunchtime, and the phone went, and um, uh, I forget now who was on the reception desk, but they said, could you, could you answer, answer this call? It's a call about, it's about a legal thing. So I went over, and it turned out that a guy who used to go to uh, King's and book some rooms uh, for school appeals had died, and he'd left some money to the church. In fact, he'd left all his money to the church. And not only that, but his brother had died a couple of years before and left all his money to him. So what he was now leaving to the church was twice as much as uh, the guy himself had originally intended to leave. It's, it's probably about £600,000 altogether, which will be enough to do all the things that we wanted to do to the building. And just God's so faithful. He, he, he provides for us in a wonderful way. And as we... As we share stories like that, and there'll be testimonies around the room here of God's faithfulness, even this week, we encourage one another. We, 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 we multiply not, not just the pleasure of hearing that story and, and the joy of knowing that a need has been met, but we're also multiplying faith. We're encouraging one another. We're, we're saying, let's trust in God together for what he's doing. So sharing blessings, sharing testimony is really helpful. If you think about it, there's no point if we inherit the whole world, but there's nobody to share it with. What's the point of that? But if we've inherited even a small blessing and share it, it's somehow multiplied wonderfully. And this sharing is is enabled and uh, it's mediated to us by the Holy Spirit. And he quickens faith uh, for many of these promises here says he governs our minds in verse 6. He lives in us, verses 9 and 11. He helps us to put to death the misdeeds of the body, all the stuff that uh, the law doesn't help with, the Holy Spirit helps with. He leads us. He's brought about our adoption into sonship. He testifies that we're the children of God. The Holy Spirit's so helpful to us. He shares first fruits with us, helps us in our weakness, and he's interceding for us. So there's wonderful, wonderful blessing here. And as we, as we think about these things, as we share them, we can, we can strengthen our sense of identity in what God says about us as we share it together. And that's a part of what we're doing right now, of course, isn't it? But we can confess that to one another. We can also confess it to people who don't know Jesus. Some of them won't be very interested. They'll say, great for you, thank you very much. Some will be interested. I said, what's, what's that about? What is this blessing that you have? And there are different ways in which we can, we can strengthen this sense of our identity of what God said over us. One is to participate in the local church as we're doing that. Another is to meditate on scripture. I told you I read through the Bible each year. I've been doing that for a number of years. Just find, just find something that works for you. Don't, you don't have to read through the whole Bible every year. Just, just find a pattern where you're, you're regularly in the scripture, do as much as is comfortable, but just allow yourself to be fed by those wonderful truths of, of scripture. Let it permeate your lives. And we can pray together. We've got a prayer meeting the first Saturday 
uh, of, of July here, and then there are the prayers of many. As we're, as we're praying together, we're, we're confessing something about God, we're expressing our trust in him, we're also saying something about who we are. We're in Christ. We're reminding ourselves that this is this wonderful place that we've, we, our lives are reframed by Christ. Well, there's lots more that we could say about Romans 8. It's full of soaring, wonderful truths, and uh, we could read over and meditate on them. I encourage you to do that. No condemnation. He's working for our good in all things. We're more than conquerors, it says. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Moses, could you bring your dad up to, to, <laughs> to play? So we've barely scratched the surface of this, this huge chapter, this wonderful chapter. But we've touched on some profound truths. So let's take these truths away today from Romans chapter 8. We find our identity as Christians in Christ. He reframes and redefines who we are. We're not defined by our circumstances or by our history. We're not defined by what's happened to us or what we've said about ourselves. We're defined by what God says about us. And he says that we're forgiven. He says that we're in Christ. He says we're alive. We can rest, secondly, in the security of knowing that we're in Christ. It's a place of rest, but it's also a place of active trust, refreshing these promises that God's made over us, reminding ourselves of them. And we're not on our own. We're doing this together, folks, wonderfully sharing the blessings that God has for us. We're going to return to worship in a moment. We're going to break bread together as well. And as we do that, there's a real sense of declaring that we're in this together. Sometimes we call it communion, meaning something we're doing together. And as we do this today, I just want to encourage us to remind one another, maybe pray with one or two, and just remind one another that we're in Christ, that our lives are in Christ. We're defined by what Jesus has said about us. We're forgiven. It's finished. It's done. We're forgiven. We've got this great inheritance. We're made alive. We're given peace and life by the Holy Spirit. These, these wonderful truths all found in this chapter, chapter 8. So let's stand together. You're all familiar with breaking bread together, but let's just pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these immense, majestic, eternal truths that you've declared in your scripture in this chapter, Romans 8. Lord, there's, there's some beautiful things here. And I pray that for us today, what each one needs would be taken from this chapter. Different things for different folks, but I pray, Lord, that you'd lift shame off those who are feeling that they're forgiven. If you, be, if you came in this morning feeling shame about something this week, just say quietly to yourself, I'm forgiven. I'm, I'm forgiven. Jesus has forgiven me. What he says about me is what matters. Just feel that shame lifted off you right now. Father, I pray for those who've been anxious that there would be peace because that's what the Holy Spirit gives us. Lord, I pray that anxiety would lift off right now and we know peace 
Lord, I thank you there's healing in the scripture. We're given life and all that that means. Father, I pray for healing right now for those who need it. Lord, for those who've come in with something not working properly in their bodies, I pray that you would lift that off them and restore health to their bodies. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. As we break bread together, as we worship, let's give glory to Jesus who has accomplished all this for us. Let's thank the Holy Spirit who's brought these truths home to us. Let's thank our Heavenly Father for being the author of all this. Amen.